like then the school shut that down because they're like we don't have DEA clearance like you can't do that and I'm like ah damn I was hoping you would have realized that so you can understand that's what it does that's what it looks like there's a whole world out there man there's a whole world out there that's been waiting to be discovered Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Weed Buds Radio, where we get to introduce to you, our amazing audience, some incredible individuals and pioneers that move the cannabis industry forward. And of course, today is no exception. As most of you know, I have been using this Clubhouse app and learning it and navigating it. It's new technology like anything else, but I've got to meet some incredible people that have been in this industry and pioneering research for quite a while. And so, Josh, I am so grateful that you agreed to join us today. Hey, man, it's, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you decided to have me on. You know, it's great to it's great to meet you. It's great to meet the main scene, everybody that's listening to Weed Buzz Radio right now. You know, it's an incredible opportunity, so thank you. Well, we're excited to have you visit Maine. So when you visit Maine, you're going to hey. have to let us know and and we'll give you a tour around because we love our hey. state here in the Northeast. Hey, man, I am I would be honored to have a tour. I would be absolutely honored. You know, it's incredible. I got to bring that Jersey swag up to Maine. You know what I'm saying, man? Did you grow up in Jersey? Yeah, man, I'm born and raised Jersey my whole life. I'm originally from Edison, you know, but I kind of wound up bouncing around, uh, wound up uh, I was in Edison, you know, my entire life. And then I originally got picked up to play football in a school down in Maryland uh, called McDaniel. And then I had, you know, some things that prevented me from playing football anymore. So I wound up actually leaving the college and then getting out. I dropped out from a biochemistry business program that I was in and actually joined the cannabis industry in 2015. Uh, you know, was going to Oaksterdam for a little bit. Uh, I graduated top of my class at 18, you know, double valedictorians with everything. And then immediately got picked up by Alpha California Botanicals and CBD Science LLC, which is run by Albert Coles uh, II. And uh, together we pioneered a lot of great uh, CBD work. Um, you know, he was the one that was really key in being able to manufacture um, CBD for epilepsy. Um, and, uh, you know, we wound up doing a lot of great work, acidic cannabinoids for pain that we were developing. Um, we were the first company actually to have CBN on the market out west. Um, you know, before Mary's Medicinals was able to bring it out, like they do it in patches. We had it in tinctures, you know, transdermal, um, transdermal applications are very dicey in the sense that, you know, they don't actually work for the most part. You need a really good vehicle to be able to pass that layer of the skin. And cannabinoids are lipids, which mean they pretty much just sit on top of the skin and don't really do much. So for the most part, people feel this, like they'll feel the other things that are in the uh, balms and topicals and stuff. But, you know, which is why you also see when people take these topicals, they'll have like maybe the first month it'll be good. And then month two, month three, it's not working anymore is because it's a placebo effect that they have. You know, they're believing in it. They're believing in it. And it's like, okay, this is going to help. This is going to help. And you know, it actually doesn't. So, you know, we were very influential in what we were doing out West, um, you know, 2015, 2016, up until Prop 64 came in and kind of just cleared the slate. You know what I mean? So it was, it was incredible. incredible. Mm -hmm. It is, man. That's so, so what, where did you get the courage to just like, I'm going to move West and just do it? Hey, if you want me to be completely honest with you, uh, psychedelics. Um, I had I was 305 pounds when I graduated high school. I wound up losing 110 pounds in a year period because I actually wound up having a mushroom trip and saw myself in the mirror for what I actually looked like and who I was and wanted to make an entire change in my life, you know, at, at 18. And, you know, I wound up going, uh, you know, when I was in school and stuff, like one weekend, I decided to take acid for like, 
I don't know, two, three days. I don't know why I decided to do that. But in that trip, I actually wound up realizing like what I really wanted, you know, and I was like, well, I'm young, might as well make a gamble on myself. So, you know, that's what I did. I just went all in on me and uh, I wound up working out for the best, I have to say. I trust me, I love these stories because uh, I don't know that I had the courage like you had to do it you know on your own you know for me like you know I, I i tell people most people know i took over a drive-in movie theater out of university dropped out of college but like that like my dad was the one that like kept pushing you know whenever i had like just those moments of like discouragement or like i can't do this this is stupid kids don't do this stuff he's like but why not just keep doing yeah, it. And so exactly. you know, I have not, so much respect for the people that like actually take that a step further. And that's why, you know, like not plastic, our motto is why not. That's why I was so excited to connect with you because you have that attitude. Just why not? Yeah, man. That's why we created why not THC. You know, originally it was a science and education thing for me to spread like my research and a lot of the work we do on a lot of the groundbreaking work that I've done. Uh, but it turned into something more, I have to say. You know, it turned into an actual advocacy platform for legalization here in the state, you know, and we were able to contribute and help uh, get cannabis legalized in New Jersey. Um, and through that, we actually held the first, we held, you know, I hosted the March Against the War on Drugs protest in Newark, you know, and was able to actually help with, uh, you know, again, spreading the good word and with legalization here as a whole, you know, and a lot of different amendments that went into place, being able to have the no cap on the license. And again, this is really thanks to Jessica Gonzalez, so I'm going to just shout her out real quick because without her none of this would have been possible you know but i feel grateful that we were at least being able to contribute to this you know a big shout out to jess dude so you know um you know it's incredible that we've been able to do a lot of work and i've been able to do a lot you know so when i was done with you know out west and everything i wound up coming back to the east because i saw the bigger game with everything you know i saw where this industry was going and i realized i have to go back to school so you know, I wound up meeting with uh, the great Dr. Falguni Ghosh, who was the uh, apprentice of the Nobel laureate Henry Taub. That rings a bell to people. Uh, he was the man who discovered photosystems two in one, which is essentially photosynthesis, you know, and how that and how wow. photosynthesis works. Right. So, you know, this is my mentor right now. And, you know, together we wound up putting with, you know, Dr. Brian Levy worked with Merck uh, synthesizing CB2 uh, ligands, you know, to be able to treat weight loss. Uh, Dr. Michael Ansonoff again worked, I think, with BMS and being able to do drug discovery with cannabinoid ligands to target the CB2 receptor. Because like at the time when they were doing it, there was a lot of buzz around, you know, things like Ramonabant, Taranabant that were, you know, these synthetic ligands to be able to treat obesity, you know, but they wound up backfiring in big ways um, <laughs> because for other reasons, you know. Um, you know, and then being able to work with Dr. Ghosh's wife, Dr. Sutapa Ghosh, you know, who works for the Protein Data Bank over at Rutgers, which is the only place in the world they keep all the crystallized protein receptors and enzymes, which is in Piscataway, right? So it was right down the street no from me. Kidding. That is, it was in Peeway, right next to part of Rutgers. So I'm like, this is incredible, you know, and together, you know, I mean, I remember walking into Dr. Ghosh's office when I came back from out west and I told him, like, who I was and what I wanted to do. The first question he asked, he's like, why are you here? Like, you don't need college. Like, <laughs> you don't need to go to school. Like, you're fine. Like, just go start your company. I'm like, well, it's not that simple, you know, and, you know, being able to break everything down to him. And he's like, this is what we're going to do. So the man made me take all my chemistry in a year, like general chemistry, organic chemistry, all in a year period, which is extremely difficult to do for anyone. Um, and then from there, I was able to, 
um, you know, get involved with the research independent studies. And I had the whole school working with me, you know what I mean? I wound up financing it myself, you know, but I had the whole school working with me from like the, the heads of the natural science department, you know, other teachers and stuff like we all came together with this. So it wasn't just me, you know, I'll credit everyone else that was involved, you know, cause it was, it was a big project. It was, you know, being able to synthesize, you know, in theory, cannabinoid ligands to target the CB1 receptor to be able to see what the effects are. Uh, at the uh, molecular level, you know, so being able to identify where the, um, you know, amino acid residue interaction is with cannabinoid ligands, you know, so what it means is that, you know, when you have THC and it interacts with your CB1 receptor, right, it changes the conformation of that receptor, right? So your receptor looks one way before cannabinoids interact with it. And then once they do, they change, right? And when they change, they produce those different effects that you feel, right? So being able to do that and see how is it changing, where are the key points, where is it being targeted, and then being able to classify based off amino acid residue interaction, you know, what are agonist cannabinoids that turn the receptor on, what are antagonist cannabinoids that inhibit anything with the receptor, and then inverse agonist cannabinoids which turn the receptor down. You know, one goes upgrade, one's downgrade, and the other one is neutral. You know, so being able to actually show that in a 3D form it's something no one's really been able to do before, you know, and being able to provide the first images of CBD and CBN and what they look like in that protein pocket. Because a lot of people think CBD is non-psychoactive and that's not true at all. It is active. It's just deactive. It works the opposite way to THC. But you can't treat, you know, um, you know, psychotic disorders without having something that affects the psyche. It's impossible. You know, you can't have something that's non-psychoactive like that. But it's, just, it's, it's impossible. So one of the bigger things that my mentor over at William Patterson taught me, which is Dr. Manuel and Ivy, you know, after Middlesex and doing the bioinformatics research is being able to do all this drug discovery work. I'm wanting to moving on to, you know, be the manager of the end, the only facility that does endocannabinoid research in the state of New Jersey under Dr. Emmanuel and Ivy. And, um, you know, as we're doing all, a lot of this work, you know, one of the bigger things that we looked into and tried to tell people is being able to redefine, you know what I mean? And redefine the psychoactive or psychotropic you know, because one that is psychoactive may not be psychotropic. And that's the important thing that, you know, they, they have very similar definitions. So what, uh, what is the difference of that? So active for us induce activity within the protein pocket, you know, when it, when things bind to that site, you know what I mean? So with CBD, it is psychoactive. It binds to that site. However, it's not psychotropic in the sense it doesn't produce this high that you feel. You know what I mean? These, these sense of euphoria, those sensations, it doesn't do that as THC does. So hence the, the distinguishing, you know, to say that it does interact with the CB1 receptor. It does indeed bind to it and induces a confirmation to prevent any further upgrading or downgrading to help keep the system stable, which is why it's especially effective for seizures, you know. Mm. And then from there, it's like, OK, well, you're not having this sense of euphoria or sense of like, you know, <sighs> right. So it's like this is you know, something that's non-psychotropic. So those are the distinct differences that we really have to get and start to define because you start to confuse a whole bunch of people along the way if you don't define these very basic rudimentary things, you know, like, um, and that's something that we've been working on, you know, heavily to be able to, you know, redefine. So have you put together a glossary so simpletons like <laughs> me can like, because this is important. Like we, yeah. I, this is the first time, you know, and this is what I find so fascinating is that let's say this show has been around for, I guess, almost two years now, maybe two and a half years. And this is the 
first time that I have had the opportunity to even hear about this or have somebody to speak about it. So I can only imagine how difficult it is for the audience that may not be going out and researching all of these terms and what we're discussing today. So how do we provide that resource to the public so we can educate ourselves? Uh, you can just go on my website, man. People just don't believe me. So what did I do? I just put everything on a website and I'm actually, like, I wound up working with, you know, presenting my research at William Patterson. You know, I actually wound up winning a bunch of awards for my work. It was award-winning work. I wound up being Ivy League, Ivy League schools, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Columbia, you name it. I took them all out with this research. You know what I mean? Like it, you couldn't, though it's only one school that taught me but they've been doing cancer work for like four years okay you had to give sure. them the award all right so like you know it's like the um it's incredible because this bio what bioinformatics does you know in short and this is proton proteomics which is a sect of bioinformatics um is it essentially allows you to use computer modules to replicate the biological interactions that happen within you right and within nature so I was able to use these systems to replicate those interactions with cannabinoids, right? And in doing so, and when you see how everything binds and you see how it, they work, you can then classify to say, okay, we know that the category for an agonist molecule has to be able to hit these key set of amino acid residue receptors, right? Amino acid residues within the receptor, right? And that'll give you the distinct effects that THC will, whereas, you know, an antagonist has to hit this key set of amino acid residues that's different, right? And that'll produce those different effects. And I mean, like, it's literally a difference of five or six. You know what I mean? It's a difference of like five or six amino acid residues. They share most of them, but there's a specific set that's differentiated based on how they form, right? So being able to actually show that to people was something that hasn't been done before. You know, so being able to take that work and then say, okay, this is what it looks like in the protein pocket. I'm going to put it online now so you can see what it looks like for yourself. You know, so you can so go. So you're on my just a magician and people are like, this, this, this is impossible because Basically. nobody else has been doing it. Yeah, kind of, you know, but no one else had the opportunity to do it, though. That's the thing. Dr. Raymond Steve, I, okay, so when I got into, you know, uh, doing chemistry and research and all that stuff over at the, uh, at Middlesex, I wound up, um, you know, I wanted to do originally a bench project, which I was going to synthesize CBN, right? Then the school shut that down because they're like, we don't have DEA clearance. Like, you can't do that. And I'm like, ah, damn, I was hoping you would have realized that. So <laughs> I was like, they were going to have me synthesize something else. So you're a mad scientist too. <laughs> yeah, I was not happy about that. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to work with cannabinoids. I don't want to do anything else. And I wound up breaking my ankle at the gym. Right. So now I can't stand at a lab bench. OK. And they're like, we're like, what are we going to do? And then it's like, well, let's look and see if we can do anything with bioinformatics and, you know, with, uh, you know, like uh, cannabinoids and see what we can do. Right. And I mean, we were able to find it was recently published. I mean, like a week ago, like literally like a week ago, like was published of the crystallized protein pocket of the CB1 receptor by Dr. Raymond Stevens with the University of Shanghai Northeastern. You know, we're able to crystallize the receptor itself. And then working with the protein data bank who keeps all this stuff on record, we were then able to put all this together to be able to show people for the first time what it looks like when these cannabinoids bind. Now, you, there are other imaging that's been done to show it, but for CBD specifically and CBN, that work hadn't been there before. You know, so those are two that I really wanted to show you that are very unique um, and have unique confirmations. You know, CBN has an L-shaped confirmation when it binds to the pocket, similar to every other agonist. Um, but CBD, interestingly enough, has a Y shape when it binds. It literally forms this. And it looks like this in the protein pocket, you know. Um, 
And it's incredible because that Y shape acts as a blockade, which is why it doesn't have this upward or downward effect. It, it's neutral. It keeps things in neutral. So the way I like to describe cannabinoids is real simple, right? Ag it's like driving a car. You know, agonists put the car in drive. You have a forward effect, right? Inverse agonists put the car in reverse. You have that opposite effect, right? But neutral or, or um, antagonist cannabinoids is like putting the car in neutral. You can't go forward or backwards, you know? And, and so that's what CBD is. is so basically. that's why we say that that can help moderate a THC high. Yeah. So the other thing that people forget with um, when it comes to this kind of work, and this gets a little bit more in depth, is enzyme saturation and competitive inhibition. You know, competitive inhibition is saying that there's only a certain number of receptors, you know, that are present. And based off of that, you know, you're going to have, if you have two keys, Right, because in drug discovery, it's called the locking key. Right, the protein receptors are the locks. Your cannabinoid ligands or any other molecule that interacts with that that protein is called the key because it's the only way it can enter that lock. And they're very specific. But when you have two keys like THC and CBD that fit the same lock, which is the CB1 receptor, that's when you have this thing called competitive inhibition. Now they have to compete and outcompete each other for these protein pockets to be able to saturate it. Right. So eventually, you have this thing called enzyme like saturation which is like basically all of your receptors are now coated in cannabinoids, right? They can't, no matter how much you uptake more, it's not going to do anything. You know what I mean? Like it just won't. So that's why you have these people who, who think that it's like, okay, um, if I take a bunch of THC and let me take some CBD to calm myself out, it might not work immediately or at all because you're just oversaturated to begin with. And that happened with me. Now I had a mushroom-like experience off an edible trip and I'm like, let me just go dab some CBD real quick. I'll be good. Nah, nah, didn't work. I wound up going deep down the rabbit hole, deep, deep down the rabbit hole. And I mean, like, so you have to be careful. You know, you really do got to be careful when you take these things. So, and there are a number of compounds that are coming out. So just like undo, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's looked to like cure THC highs. And that's very incredible that, because the only way to do that is if you have it bound to the protein pocket, but these other sites that are called allosteric sites, and if you hit one of those sites, it'll change the conformation of the pocket. And if you hit it the right way, it could release THC. You know, so it's like it's incredible the work that you'd have to be able to do to figure that out. I think they did it though. So it's really cool though, man. So to get back on track to what I was saying before, you know, it's like um, the work that we did was able to provide people an imaging of it. So if you go on my website, you can see on whynotthc.com. You go on the website and you go to the education where the cannabinoids are. And you click on them, you'll see what they look like in a 3D form. You'll see what it looks like bound to the CB1 receptor, bound to that protein pocket. So you can understand that's what it does. That's what it looks like, you know, which is the beginning of drug discovery work. You know, it's in silico. And it's really cool to be able to provide that for people, you know, win a bunch of awards in it and then like get my degrees from it. You know, it was amazing. It was a great experience. And I was able to, you know, really help like show showcase it and then being able to showcase it to NIH as well, you know, and having uh, Dr. Elliot Gardner, chief scientist at the NIH, being able to, you know, commend me for my work and, you know, saying that this hasn't been done before. And I'm like, I know it hasn't been done before. And you got the government <laughs> saying it hasn't been done before. It really hasn't been done before, you know, so it was incredible to be able to have that opportunity to present before them, you know, and then work with, you know, the NIH. NIDA, which is the National Institute of Drug Association. Uh, you have like uh, NIA, which is the National Institute of Aging. A lot of these different institutions I was working with when I went to William Patterson that I had the the um, the graciousness to work with because of Dr. Emanuel and Ivy. You know, and like we weren't able to do what I wanted to do due to COVID. Unfortunately, you know, COVID shut everything down. Um, but he recently qualified for a new grant. So the school is going to be doing more work. If anyone was interested in that, you know what I mean. Um, 
so but that's the that's the thing you know and like we were while working with him we were working with these mice that have uh they're the only mice in the world that have uh the dope on their dopamine neurons they have cb2 receptors removed right and that's impossible to do usually because everyone else who's tried to do that the mice die right so it's like how are you able to do that right it was on the the um the actual uh, the ion channel itself. So the, the channel that connects these dopamine neurons, we removed the CB2 receptors from there, right, in the genome code. So we started to produce these mice that don't have CB2 receptors basically on the dopamine neurons. And that is what we've seen as being responsible for addiction and addiction like tendencies, aggression, stuff like that, is that removal of the CB2 receptor from those specific locations, you know? And it's incredible because, again, a lot of this work hasn't been done before, you know? So being able to do that and then you know, seeing how the effects are from there, working with cocaine, amphetamines and ketamine, stuff like that, being able to see how these different and like synthetic cannabinoids and seeing how they affect these mice, um, you know, doing this in, in, in vivo work. It was, it was incredible. It was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of fun. Um, and like, you know, a lot of lessons that kind of came from that um, and being able to then, you know, take it a step further, which was the true project I wanted to do, which is the connection between, you know, bacteria and the endocannabinoid system, specifically the microbiome and your ECS, you know, the gut brain axis and how everything connects there. I mean, like, you, it, I believe that bacteria use the endocannabinoid system as a vehicle for communication to be able to release neurotransmitters in the brain. Like it's, it's very much, it's, it's more than documented. It's, it's a, like the pieces of it are starting to come together, you know, because we're seeing how bacteria interact with cannabinoids. So there's a whole world out there, man. There's a whole world out there that's been waiting to be discovered. And it's really cool to, you know, kind of be on the forefront of it. Well, and we're so glad that you are there because individuals like yourself and Christina D'Archangelo and Nick Jickums, I don't know if you've met Nick, but, you know, while you were talking, I was like, man, I need to connect Nick and you, you know, immediately. You know, Nick was uh, one of the first individuals I met um, that really studying neuroscience. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, you know, very much like those of us that are trying to just like, there's so much more to learn. And he'll tell you like you did, you've got to create your own path. If you truly want to study it, you've go, you have to, you have to create it. And so I am just yeah. so grateful uh, that people like you, you don't know, have that. Like I said, you know, my courage comes from people like yourself. So uh, I really appreciate that. And how do we, you know, why not THC.com? So for the audience, that's not with a K. That is the regular way of why not. Um, yeah, so what are the other ways for us to stay connected and continue to follow your journey and your research? Hey, man, hit me up on Instagram at The Alchemist. You know, it's just my last name, The ALB Chemist. You know, you can hit me up on there, Clubhouse, anything like that. If you guys want to connect, uh, hit my email, josh at whynotchc.com. You know, and there's a bunch of ways that we can stay in touch and, you know, stay connected and learn more, man. You know, and I'm really excited to see what this industry has to come in 2020. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh. I cannot wait to connect with you further because we're going to have you. to do an episode together talking about these acidic cannabinoids because uh, I know that's another topic that we would love to talk about. Yes, sir. You know, the most important cannabinoids to building yourself and the foundations of the endocannabinoid system are those acidic cannabinoids. So stay tuned. On yes, boom. And of course, thanks to all of you for tuning in to another episode of Weed Buzz Radio. Be sure to check out our show notes. We will have links to connect with Josh directly on Instagram and his website. Go check out that website. Look at this. I cannot wait to dive into it deep myself. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, brother. <laughs>